Welcome to the Prog Talks by the Prog Space. Welcome to the Prog Talks, an interview series by the Prog Space where we will be talking to musicians in all corners of the progressive music scene. Welcome back to another episode of the Prog Talks. I'm your host, Dario. And as always, before we jump into today's topic and um, welcome today's guests, I want to remind you of this uh, cup of tea, cup of coffee you can get for us. Helps us out a lot uh, to keep doing what we're doing with the Prog Talks. Mm, and now, yeah, cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. It is um, yeah, support support uh, shows that are having good music on. It is an is an absolute pleasure and honor to to talk to you today uh, for our listeners um, calling from New Orleans and Denver, Colorado, respectively. Um, Chris Bogan and Tim Smolens from the new project High Castle Teller Orchestra. Welcome. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having us, Daria. Uh, it's it's uh, it's not the first uh, debut album we're talking about here um, for for the Proc Talks this year. Um, there seems to be something in the air. Maybe it was the time when people were at home the last two years that they they thought, oh, they can let's reach out to to other uh, awesome players and and do a new project. Um, so yeah, High Castle Tele Orchestra is about to drop their debut album, The Egg That Never Opened, Radio Free Albumoth, part one. <laughs> <laughs> Parentheses there. Lots of words. <laughs> on June 16th, on the amazing Art as, Art as Catharsis label from Australia. And um, yeah. I think the, you, the two of you, you're the core members and there's a lot of other uh, people um, playing on the album. So maybe you, you, you can tell us a little bit how the project started, how it, uh, it, about the initial spark that led to the creation of the High Castle Tele Orchestra. Chris, go for this one. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is a... <clears throat> pretty fun story from my perspective because uh like tim and i actually started working together uh because he wanted to realize a fully fleshed out version of this lost legendary steely dan song called the second arrangement it was supposed to be on their gaucho album and uh, it got erased and that's a whole other story but you know i had sent tim a message at some point after the IS, last ISS CD came out and, you know, I said, Hey, I love this, this album. I, you know, I'm a big Beach Boys fan. I follow, you know, Stratosphere and Secret Chiefs 3 and I'm a dad like you. And I don't know what it, what it was I said that, that caught his attention. But I also gave him a guitar video uh, of me on YouTube playing some sort of finger picking guitar stuff. And he said, Oh, I really like this. Let's do something some time and you know people say that to be nice so i was just like okay whatever tim mullins said this thing and about seven months later he asked me about this steely dan thing 
And we worked for months on that one song obsessively, like ridiculous crazy amount. Yeah. I think we put as much work in that one song, almost half. Yes. For, we probably could have done half of the album. But after we finished the song and some we enjoyed it so much, like Tim had these other songs ideas and we started working on those and we were already working remote. This was all before the pandemic. It, not too far ahead of the pandemic. But it we started, had though, in the middle of it, yeah. We had this workflow because I'm in New Orleans. He's in Colorado. We had never met in person. And we were already establishing a workflow. And so we started working on a, uh, Claw Peels, which is on the, the album, and the Days of Blue Jeans were gone first. And we sort of used those as demo working demos and tim was reaching out to his other uh connections you know timba and dave and stian and uh bear about hey do you want to be in this thing and and so it grew from there it seems like a pandemic concept even the name of the band but it, it sort of just happened by accident like that really what, I think what he's trying to say dario is that before all this he was just a fanboy yeah. <laughs> then I answered his email and I'm like, dude, let's let's do some stuff together. And and we did that one song, so it worked out. And then we started doing those new songs and we were kind of tinkering with the idea that like this should be a band or or whatever. And we we're kind of selling it like it, oh, this is from the pandemic. Because we can't go out, we'll do this band. But but the truth is, I'm just gonna say it up front. Like we would be probably working like this regardless of what's happening in the world. So I hope that sort of answers your question a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, and the, the, the two songs you just mentioned, um, Chris, uh, the, the Days of Blue Jeans Were Gone and Claw Peels. If I remember correctly, I, I, um, I had the pleasure of listening to it uh, a couple of times already. And um, I think those are two of the more, the, the, let's say the less metal songs. Could that be? Yeah, they're the metal. Like metal is almost like a paintbrush, I guess, in in, in a lot of the album. But th those two songs, especially, that's right. Like I think there's that those two, and maybe they, uh, diagnosing Johnny and Placentia that really don't have any, any metal at all. If if by metal you mean like you know like distorted like chugs and. <laughs> You know. Yeah, that's kind of the 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 middle part, uh, or the or the or the 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 middle to to late part of the album. It 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 starts with the title track, and and I have to say this first riff that kicks in with double bass and everything, and it it is a theme. I can't quite pinpoint it. It's something. It it reminds me of I don't know Edward Grieg. You want me to help you, or do you want me to leave it a mystery? Oh, you're close. You're close. It it is something. Um, so I don't know if you want to get into it now, but this entire song is based on a book, Radio Free Album Oath by Philip K. Dick. And in the first chapter, the narrator works at a record store in Berkeley, California in the 1950s, I think. And he's talking about all these records that people are buying. So we decided let's make a song that kind of is a real abstract 
version of all those. So I'll I'll dispel the mystery. It's um the Firebird Suite by Stravinsky was one of the main points of the record uh, of that he was talking about in chapter one. <laughs> Stravinsky was one of the main points, and the other one was a German liberal war march that they would do in the the forties or something when they were in Spain or <laughs> World War One. <maybe. laughs> so th- there's about maybe 15 or 20 different Easter egg songs that we put in there um, that are from all from that chapter. So if you read that chapter, you could figure out every song that's in that first song, but it would take a lot of work. I think you, you, you definitely should do a, 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 like a, like a giveaway or something. Whoever guesses, guesses all 15. You're reading my mind. I had already thought that the person who gets it will get like, I don't know, a couple different vinyls or a CD and a vinyl and a shirt. Um, I had thought about a giveaway for that already. So you're on it, man. <laughs> we, 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 we would, uh, we can, can, can also promote it through the, the prog space. Of course, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. We're down. Sounds like a plan, man. Um, like 90% of the songs in there would be easy to get, but there would be a couple where in the chapter they only mention the artist and not the song. So you would have to look through that artist's catalog to figure out the song. So I think it's a good challenge. <laughs> yeah. Calling the music nerds. Yes, there will be and three I'll- people that submit. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's got to be the, the greatest uh, medley and whatever genre music we're in um yeah it, it is it is is the the only the 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 title track based on that book or on that story Every or track. the whole album so there's 30 chapters on the book and we decided to make it three records so you notice how it's 10 songs so each it's linear each um song is one chapter yeah, now that that that's probably the 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 most um, straightforward adaptation, um, at least uh, as far as the concept goes, um, yeah, of any true. concept album. Nothing um, to figure out about the order. Yeah, there's no mystery. There. Like like uh, you know, look looking at uh, where is it? Looking at this one here. All right. <laughs> that that has all these different chapters that uh, are like all over the place. Um whatever, but the the the, the thing about um High Castle Taylor Orchestra of course is we we already established that the first song is a crazy medley with all sorts of music you would think that doesn't go together. And of course it's it's the whole album that the, the music is all over the place. And I gotta say, it's so much fun, and I and I really ca- I can't stop listening. Um, I I just I just I'm wondering where 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 you guys got the inspiration from musically. Let me let me, let me say first, <laughs> and then I'm gonna let Chris go. Like that song for me is the most fun. And as we were doing this record, we were putting that song off till later. And I kept telling Chris, like, how are we gonna do this? I don't want to do a medley that's just like dun, 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 mm-hmm. and like funny. Usually medleys are a novelty. I didn't want it to be a novelty. I wanted it to be something you could listen to and have fun. But it's all not just fun in a sort of 
like a gimmicky way. Like it's a fun listen because a lot of the listen on this record is pretty serious and heavy where to start it off with this fun circusy sort of uh, vibe. Um, we, we were putting it off and I, I eventually, I think I did most of it myself where I finally figured out, you know, and Chris and I are always collaborating on the arrangement, but I think I sort of took the lead on that one. Um, and we finally just figured out a way to sort of layer different things on top of each other and sort of make it work. Um, what were your recollections, Chris, on that? Yeah. I mean, for the medley, for sure. Uh, I guess if you mean by the whole album, like, you know, where we get the inspiration or idea it's man that's that's a that's a really tough one to, to well, get well, into yeah to, to put to, to put these uh, different um these different uh, genres together that that usually you wouldn't think of trying to blend yeah i think <laughs> yeah. I, I think for sure you know we we already had there's already a, a, a tradition of that from where tim comes from in his astratosphere catalog and you know the collaborations that that or you know the time he spent working on the road with uh secret chiefs three and you know some in the studio like there's definitely a tradition of of that sort of thing just amongst all the band members you know timba and and dave and bear uh to, i think tim and i both though like at a pretty young age uh, back in 1995, like we both separately in other parts of the country, you know, got Mr. Bungle's Disco Volante album. And that was that was a big moment for for each of us individually. And Dude. I yeah. think that even back then sort of click like I had a lot of interests in my grandfather's record collection. You know, he had a lot of easy listening stuff and stuff that may be considered exotica or, you know, I like that stuff, but I almost felt like not cool or, you know, I was just like, oh, man. But then I, cool to that, to I, was, a, I was like, holy shit, like there's other people like this. And, um, you know, because we grew up the time we were, you know, I'm in my 40s and metal was the thing, you know, like you learn how to play guitar. You want to learn how to play some Metallica songs or some Megadeth or whatever. And you then get it branch off into other music. So I think hearing Mr. Bungle was a big inspiration for, you know, setting the tone of, Hey, let's, let's combine these things that we like. Uh, I mean, I can't, can't really hide that. What, what would you say, Tim? I mean, there's something about that record. Let's go Volante particularly where if you were to take all of progressive music and put it in this circle, this album like literally does not belong in this circle. There's something different about it. And it has to do with the recording and the aesthetic. And instead of it being so about being technical, you know, really fast music, it's like pointing to these weird Italian film soundtracks and German film soundtracks and, and stuff that doesn't even sound like it's from this planet. So that's a little bit more of the direction we're in as far as progressive music, where you can't quite fit us into the normal, you know, Zappa, King Crimson, Dream Theater, all of those kind of things. It's a different branch that, that cares more about the sounds of the recording than it does about how fast we're playing basically <laughs> no we definitely have i mean maybe not tim as much but uh you know some of us are, are into some of the traditional prog like i'm not a huge deep into it but you know i, I like zappa and 
I'm a big King. I still don't think it filters into the band that much. But yeah, I don't think I, that's more stuff like I listen to and I'm like, holy shit, you know, that's really cool. I can't do anything like that. <laughs> but I like these other things. And, you know, I guess uh, that's a whole other conversation about what is progressive music or what is progressive rock. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think we 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 have to 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 uh, be a little bit cautious about uh, talking into each other because I think uh, Chris, when your mic is open and we talk into it, we get we get a feedback, so oh. we 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 won't um, understand what the other person is saying. So so maybe yeah, try, Can you try mute it maybe. Okay. Ah, uh. or just. Have a like a like a tiny second between between people talking. Like the last tried, I know it's I know it's not easy, but um, yeah. No. Where where were we? We were talking about progressive music. What is progressive music? We're just getting off on a big tangent as we usually do. So <laughs> redirect us back to the road, sir. Back to the road. Um, yeah, with the stratosphere. Um, there was uh, one thing that I uh, remember when when listening to Palace of Mirrors. Um, like 20 years ago or something, um, or 15 years ago, I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, th there was this um, this folk influence that was like entirely different than, like like I think mostly when when folk music is integrated into heavier rock music, you you you, you um, like the most stuff you you get out of this is like. Totally uh, bland power metal call chords infused with like some Finnish humpa or whatever, uh, which is like for me, it's I, I, I'm sorry, but it's really boring. And uh, also, like, there's there's this like a German movement of folk metal with like bands like In Extremo or Subway to Sally that, that I don't relate at all to, and um. There, there, were, there always was this, yeah, like folk music, more maybe also, you know, from the Balkan and 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 not the traditional Nordic, German or Swedish or Finnish folk music stuff that that you would usually hear in 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 the folk metal, whatever. Um, so so it was more like a world music influence as, as well, I think, and um, and also um, the use of uh, a lot of like string string instruments like like uh, a violin, viola, and cello. Um, it's it's often like okay, these they 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 play a little melody, or or you'll have some synths or an orchestra doing some symphonic stuff. But Stratosphere was just totally different and taking these influences very differently, or or also taking different influences in the first place, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll answer that one because that was a uh, that was in my turf. Um, you know, honestly, on Palace of Mirrors, there's not that much folk music. The only real folk music is the Smuggled Mutation, which is a Romanian uh, medley of uh, gypsy songs. The other songs that I think you're referring to would be like Corporate Merger and The Return, which have these Bulgarian style you know melodies over 
um, some metal at times, but, but there's nothing like traditional. There's it, it doesn't like it, it's inspired by, but it's not based on a traditional, but I still think that vibe comes across, right? Because we have that Romanian tune and most of the rest of the record seems to be pointing more towards a lot of like um, Italian and German film music actually. But um, that, that influence that you're talking about is definitely there. And I think the difference for a stratosphere and, and I think Heist Castle is in the same boat is Metal is a very strange thing to to me because most bands, right, like are metal or they're not like and that's it. There's so few bands you could tell me that are like they do a little bit of metal like a stratosphere was not a metal band. We played metal. Uh, High Castle is 100% not a metal band. Um, that's why we get a metal drummer. So so that when you need to do metal, you can do it. But because if you didn't have a drummer, right, you can't do metal. Um, so Dave is perfect for that because Dave is a student of metal. And you need somebody who does that. So for, so for High Castle and the same with a stratosphere is metal is a dynamic that we can add to a song. But we're not a metal band. We just... You know, the song might, if it's going to get loud, like if it was a classical piece, they, the cellos would be going really loud and the contrabasses and the timpani. So for us, <laughs> it's not our aesthetic. We don't live and die by metal, but metal is a, a big part of our sound at times. And we use it for a certain, I would say, a dynamic effect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just joined the choir again here in Munich and we're rehearsing the German Requiem by Brahms. And oh, this, wow. this is this is pure doom metal for me. <laughs> Seriously, I would honestly rather hear that doom metal than a lot of other stuff because because the composition is so good that that's um, you know what I mean. We don't nobody writes like that anymore. Like like who writes like that? That's um, good stuff, man. <laughs> High Castle Taylor Orchestra, man. <laughs> no, no, I would not put us in that boat at all. Those classical composers are in a realm all of their own. They didn't have a cell phone or an Xbox or the TV. They could just write on a piece of paper. And my, I cannot do that. Out of their I, minds. I sit here for hours and hours and hours to, to make the things that you're hearing. These guys would, I sure they did too, but they also could just do it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Actually, um. Just right before, like like one or two weeks before, I got the the um the egg that never opened. I I always want to say the the egg that never hatched because I like that word very much. <laughs> and it's and it's more associated with an egg. So yeah, yeah we just went with the book. The book said that. So you're you're correct. Uh, well, like two two weeks or three weeks maybe even before before I got the promo. Um. And to listen to it for the first time, I got the, I got another promo of an album that just released uh, two days ago as we're recording this from a French band called uh, Gerald. And it's their debut album, The Lost Tapes. And I was totally floored by it. It's also very... Um, we, we also had, the, had a Proc Talks episode with the drummer Teddy. And um, the thing about them is that they're not really a prog band, but still they're very proggy they have these also avant-garde kind of influences very 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 much king crimson influences but also the punk aesthetics um from uh the uh, uh from the king crimson uh punk vibe side that that is very rare in prog and they also have their metal moments without being a metal band at all nice. <laughs> To check that out, man. <laughs> um, 
yeah it's uh it's crazy and then 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 the egg that never opened came along and 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 kind of bumped that album from the throne as my album of the year like Sorry, almost guys. immediately but but it's 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 very close um and i got, i'm going to see uh gerald live in two days um here in munich and uh so uh is there any thoughts about bringing the high castle taylor orchestra on stage at this point yeah that would uh i it, it would be a big wish list item but i don't think that it it's going to be uh it, it's not really feasible just because we're all you know we have bear in australia and timba in france and steon in norway and then Tim, dave and i scattered around the u.s uh, just for us to be in the same room together would be thousands of dollars, probably. And then, like Tim and I are not full time. We're not in the same. We're not in the same ballpark as as Steon or Tim. Timba are like full time musicians. Like we're we have full time jobs, and you know we have a family at home, and uh, I even have a part time job and doing this. So it, it would be tough. If if something crazy happened and this thing blew up, like somehow, well, the uh, the, the 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 Kickstarter campaign was yes. uh, quite successful to for for a start for a Kickstart, right? It for was. sure, yeah, that, that was a good. Yeah, go ahead, Tim. Oh yeah, I mean, so you look at it and say, oh, they made almost thirty thousand dollars, right? If I were to show you a list of where that money is going, it's almost entirely to like manufacturing the vinyl, manufacturing the CDs, manufacturing the shirt. We still don't know if there's anything left over for the band members yet at all. So it was amazingly successful, but it's obviously to make money in music, you need to do incredibly well. So I mean, the thing about you know, this band is it, it would obviously take us this album sort of taking off and they're becoming this sort of demand for us to even think about that. We don't even know how to play our songs at this point. You hear how many layers there are in those recordings. We could do it if we had to, but, but it would be a huge, we're going to focus on establishing our name, establishing the fact that like we make, you know, great sounding unique records with a certain aesthetic. And then I think whatever happens after that, we kind of go from there, but it's, it's not looking very likely at this point. So, so, so you're going to focus on completing the trilogy, right? We're, I mean, honestly, just getting this one out has almost killed us. So yes, we are, but I don't even want to think about that, that next one yet at this point. No, we have to think about a vacation, <laughs> a holiday. Yeah. The, it is funny. You mentioned that we don't know how to play the songs. Uh, like it's taken us two years to make, this album. And I know for me, like I'll have a laundry list of parts to do for these songs and I'll sit there obsessively for, for a week, sometimes two weeks just to get the part for the one song. And then after that, like I will almost never play it again. So like we're trying to make music videos and things and like for these songs and I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Like I've got to go back and learn what I played. Like, cause I don't, I don't remember how how to play whatever I played there, but all right, yeah, you 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 guys already mentioned that there's uh, there's more people on the album. Um, maybe you can introduce them quickly um, so people sure. know what to expect. Uh, which yeah. are the sounds um, apart from the bass by Tim and uh, the the guitars by Chris? 
That's right. Um, it's it's a real all-star lineup, honestly. We have um, Bear McKinnon from Australia who played in Mr. Bungle, and he didn't have a huge voice in Mr. Bungle. A lot of times his little parts would, the way they wrote music from what I understand is they would have these little tapes going around and anyone could take any little part and turn it into their part. So a lot of the parts you'd be surprised to learn like, Oh, bear wrote that. There's a lot of parts in the bends on, um, on disco volante or uh, certain parts of like air conditioned nightmare, but he wasn't, you know, you, you have Trevor, Trey and Mike, which are these three really big personality composers. So he kind of got a little bit lost in there, but he was a huge part of their sound and his compositions have this weird way of sounding very bungalish, like in general, like you couldn't tell if it's like, I could tell you Trey's style of composition because we've heard Secret Chiefs 3 and we've heard a lot of Trevor's solo stuff and Mike's stuff in different bands. So you start to be able to break down, you know, uh, their different styles. And Bear, all I can say is he's got this unbelievably unique style of quirky compositions that just fits in that world without being like pretentious or contrived in any way. So we got Bear McKinnon, who plays a multi-instrumentalist sax of tenor sax, um, he sings if we, we don't have a lot of vocals, but he sometimes does uh, clarinet and flute um, and keyboards, obviously. Then we've got uh, Timba Harris, who was with me in a stratosphere, incredible violin player. And since we stopped working together, he has taken that skill of like arranging for string sections, like all on his own. And he has hit this level that he never was at at all in a stratosphere that I'm almost jealous. I'm like, man, if you could have done that back then, he's really amazing at writing strings sections that are very abstract the parts are not linear it's like this one comes in here they all sort of stagger in to make that really you know amazing sort of string writing thing happen um so he's he's our pretty much um our string guy um we've got dave murray who was with me in a stratosphere the original drummer who's a real metal guy but he can play like jazz and prog too and he really is responsible for some of those really weird polyrhythms he loves mashuga and all that stuff so he's kind of our metal guy like he keeps us hip and relevant in the metal because <laughs> if it was just chris and i man we would be so not cool in that realm at all because we're listening to like yeah like 50s easy listening records here <laughs> in our little basement um and then we've got uh steon carstensen from farmer's market from norway who's who's one of the greatest musicians i've ever heard um, um, he plays accordion. He plays all kinds of things, mostly accordion on our record. He also plays the um, the pedal steel guitar and he can play flute. We didn't even get into all the stuff he plays. I think he played one rhythm guitar thing on the Romanian tune because it had this weird Romanian rhythm that we didn't even know how to do. <laughs> but um, he, he is kind of the highlight. He's kind of the spotlight sort of feature instrumentalist on the record because he takes these solos that just rip the roof off the place. And you never imagined that this was even possible on an accordion. Like he's just that good. So it's a stacked lineup. We've got a lot of special guest guest drummers before we had Dave involved. There's some drummers, there's a Bulgarian violinist, there's a cymbalum player who lives in Amsterdam. Um, there's a bunch of guests that, that really fill out the record. Speaking about accordion, um, another uh, album, debut album coming out from France is Craft uh, Discordant, Epic Discordant Vision. We also had a Proc Talks uh, episode with them. When this drops, it's going to be out already. Um, and they play Gregorian jazz metal with uh, enhanced accordion and saxophone, which is absolutely wow. killer. Um, so this is great, great times for crazy music and not only the traditional prog. Um, thank you so much for taking the time and talking to us here at the Prog Talks. 
Um, all the best with the egg that never opened. I'm uh, so looking forward to to seeing and hearing um, all the people's reaction to the to the album. Um, you people out there listening, you really should f- go follow um, High Castle Teller Orchestra on their socials everywhere. We're gonna link uh, link the links everywhere in the description, as you know, and um, go listen to the egg that never opened. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe for us, uh, our stuff, you know, Prog Talks and the, the Prog Space. And don't forget to get us a cup of tea, cup of coffee. Helps us out a lot. The Egg That Never Opened, Radio Free Album with Part 1, is out on June 16th on Artist Catharsis. It's a mind-blowing album, I tell you. Until next time, we are almost at our at the end of this first uh, season, t- 2022. Um, before our um, little summer break, we have one more very interesting episode uh, prepared for you. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled. And um, until next time, take care of yourselves and keep spreading that love for crazy music. The Prog Talks, produced by the Prog Space. Main host, Rune Belsvik-Reynos. Produced by Rune Belsvik-Reynos, Vanessa and Matthias Kirsch. All graphics and animations by Vanessa Kirsch. Intro theme by Giuseppe Negri. Outro theme by Zach Munovitz. This was the Prog Talks by the Prog Space. See you in a week.